0: You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh.
1: Welcome. I have a powerful show for you today. My first guest is going to be Dr. Gay Hendricks with a wonderful new book called The Big Leap. Conquer Your Hidden Fear, and Take Life to the Next Level. And then in the second half of the show, I have Laura Day, How to Rule the World from Your Couch. So I'm excited about all of the things that you're going to be able to engage with in this coming hour. Each of us has an inner thermostat setting that determines how much love, success, and creativity we allow ourselves to enjoy. When we exceed our inner thermostat setting, we will often do something to sabotage ourselves, causing us to drop back into the old familiar zone where we feel secure. Does that sound familiar? That's from the introduction to The Big Leap by Dr. Gay Hendricks. Why is it that good fortune is often followed by negative emotions that overtake us in a result of destructive behaviors? Quote, unquote, I don't deserve this. This is too good to be true. Or other harmful thought patterns prevent us from experiencing the joy and satisfaction that we've earned. Gay Hendricks calls this the upper limit program. And it is a negative emotional reaction that occurs when anything positive enters our lives. The upper limit problem not only prevents happiness, but actually stops us from achieving our goals. It is the ultimate life roadblock. And The Big Leap, his latest book, is a book that will help you to move beyond that place and allow you to exceed your upper limits. I'd like to welcome Dr. Gay Hendricks to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you
2: very much, Simran. Great to be with you.
1: You know, the upper limit problem is something that I think probably everyone encounters in their life. Maybe some feel it to a greater degree than others. Is it something that we all face?
2: Yes, just about everybody I've ever worked with. I've worked with uh, a little over 20,000 people now, and about 1,000 of those people were even successful business executives. And I haven't met anybody yet, including the CEOs of major corporations and even billionaires that i've worked with who didn't have some of this upper limit problem locked away inside them and the thing about it is you can't really prevent it all you can do is open up uh, you can't prevent it from ever happening in the first place you just have to notice how it's happening and then begin to tweak it and work with it so that you're no longer doing it Uh, but it's a good thing if it comes to the surface so no one should ever try to kind of keep it hidden they should welcome it to come forth so that you can actually begin to work with it and open up and uh, learn from it so you don't have to keep repeating the same old pattern
1: and if we don't clear the upper limit problem it it may mean we could achieve certain levels of success but we will never really reach our highest potential of success whatever that is that could be in relationships it could be in our career it could be in our social life our family life the upper limit problem does that encounter do we encounter that in every different aspect of our life or
2: is it just you were talking about career no, i i really actually noticed it first in my uh, own personal relationships how um, when i began to first notice this i would notice that with my then girlfriend this was, goes back thirty five years uh with my then girlfriend i would have some good times with her for a few days and then one or the other of us would start an argument or do something that messed up the flow of positive energy and i i began to notice that it always happened when things were going well and i i realized that the big problem i had was i was unwilling to let things go well in my life for a long period of time if i if i started to feel good if things started to work if i got a good flow of Love and creativity going, I'd last a few days and then I would do something to push myself back down below my upper limit. So I think a good place to notice it first of all is in your close personal relationships.
1: Well, and I came first across you uh, with your wonderful book, which I urge each and every listener to also order at the same time you're ordering the Big Leap. Is the book Conscious Loving? Conscious uh, Conscious Loving. Yes, that's how I first found out about you, and it has some amazing tools and tips, and in us living our personal relationships, is it that we don't deserve, we feel we don't deserve to be happy, or uh, what is the, the cause of that upper limit kind of setting into our subconscious?
2: In The Big Leap, I talk about four main causes. One of them, which I think almost everybody suffers from, is what I call the fear of outshining, that if down inside you've locked away an old fear of outshining someone else, like maybe it was a member of your family, one of your siblings growing up. A lot of gifted kids get a message, don't outshine the others. And so then later on in life, you kind of take that on and you say, okay, I've got to live down at a certain level so that I don't outshine anyone else. But those are those are what we call the imaginary crimes. Like uh, uh, they're they're not real crimes. They're imaginary crimes that somebody has convicted us of, but we take them seriously. And then later on in life, when things start to go well, whoops! There we go. We uh, we uh, push ourselves back down because we're deeply afraid of outshining someone else. So well, that's, that's incredibly
1: uh, powerful because it almost sounds as if for many people it might not so much be the fear of failure but it is actually the fear of success that, that keeps us locked down and, and not going beyond some of these thought forms.
2: I'm totally in agreement with you on that. It's mostly the fear of success. I think it's a, a much bigger, uh, bigger fear than the fear of failure. Um, I've seen people, even really powerfully successful people, make huge changes in their lives when they lifted the lid off their upper limit. You know, like I give the example in the book of, a dear friend of ours, uh, Bonnie Raitt, who back during the 80s was able to do some work to kind of lift the upper limit off herself. And before then, she'd been a good musician, sold a lot of blues albums, but she hadn't ever broken through to the mainstream. Suddenly, whoosh, after she lifted that upper limit off of herself, she won, I think, 10 or 15 Grammys last time I had looked and, uh, and built this incredible mainstream career for herself. I've also seen the same thing, you know, like I counseled a 13-year-old once who was having difficulties uh, being bullied by other classmates. And um, sure enough, uh, she did some work on realizing that she had this upper limit of how much appreciation people could give her. And after she did some work on that, just out of the big leap, suddenly People are liking her. She's uh, getting along better with people. So it doesn't matter if you're 13 or a a 50-year-old rock star. You can make changes in your life to increase the flow of love and positive energy no matter where you are and where you started from.
1: And it sounds like, Gay, that once you take the big leap and you do move beyond the upper limits, it's an exponential or continuous increase in allowing yourself to soar. You don't Uh, Is there a problem with falling back, or or once we break that barrier, do we continue forward?
2: Well, it's an organic process that once the flow gets going and you realize how you've been upper-limiting yourself, once you start feeling that flow more and more, it has a, a kind of a positive addiction to it. It feels so good that you just want to keep opening up more and more to it, and you no longer are as interested in your old upper limits. You know, like I meet a lot of people and work with a lot of people who use food or drink as an upper limit. In other words, they they get to feeling pretty good, things are going well, and they'll go have a binge of overeating or over drinking so that they kind of make themselves feel miserable again. And so once they begin to open up to the flow, though, what happens is they begin to lose interest in doing those upper limit things like drinking too much or or overeating. It begins to feel better to actually enjoy those waves of expanding positive energy in yourself that happen once you take that big leap.
1: Well, instead of living that roller coaster of the highs and lows and the addictions and whatever we engage in, it sounds as if we really leap into a space where we know ourselves so well that we remain on that continuous high.
2: Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I, I like the way you've put that because it really is a process of self knowledge and learning how to apply more and more awareness to yourself because what you really have to do. It works best if you catch yourself right in the middle of an upper limit and then do a course correction right there. You know, like if you're in a relationship and you find yourself right in the middle of starting an argument after a period of things going well. If you catch yourself right in the middle of that and say to your beloved, Oh, I see what I'm doing. I'm creating a problem right now because I don't feel like I deserve to feel this good. I don't feel like I deserve to have this much love with you. Then if you catch yourself right in the middle of those things, you can move through them much more quickly.
1: Now, is this just a mind thing that we're having to switch our thoughts of the mind, or does it also go down into the heart and soul of us?
2: Definitely it goes down into the heart and soul to the extent that it's not just a mind thing. One way to notice your upper limits is by noticing things in your mind, like worry thoughts, for example, or a classic symptom that you're having an upper limit. Um, but you can also notice it down in your body. You might notice that your neck starts getting tense, or you might notice that um, your belly starts to get tight because you're getting scared. So you need to kind of Open up all of the different channels and notice when you're doing things that are based on a limiting belief about yourself. Just notice whether you're operating out of some limited belief that has a can't in it. You know, like I can't experience love all the time or I can't be maximally successful, uh I can't express my full potential. If you start noticing those things that have cants in them pretty soon you begin to loosen that up so that you can move through greater and greater levels of positive energy uh, without causing yourself to go back down. Well, Gay, it
1: sounds also as if you are helping us to move from our uh, smaller sense of our ego self and the way it believes us to be and really taking the big leap to our authentic self or higher self and all of the infinite possibility that we could possibly
2: encounter. Uh, Yes, I think that's a great way to put it, that, you know, once you really break through out of your, what I call the the fog of your programming, what happens is you taste a freedom that you haven't ever felt before.
1: And the taste of freedom is only a step away. All you have to do is find a copy of The Big Leap. Uh, Dr. Hendricks presents a simple yet comprehensive program for overcoming this barrier to happiness and fulfillment. The material in this book was developed over the past 30 years by working closely with more than 1,000 extraordinary achievers in business and the arts many of whose stories are featured in these pages. You can connect to Gay Hendricks at TheBigLeap.net and also at hendrix.com. That's TheBigLeap.net and hendrix.com. In addition, if you'll go to hendrix.com, you can find out about the Relationship Catalyst program, which has just launched, and allow yourself to also fulfill and reach higher and higher expectations and and positions on your relationships. We'll be right back with Gay Hendricks and discuss a little bit more about The Big Leap and our upper limits.
3: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you a mom or a mom-to-be? If so, a lot of questions and concerns may be going through your mind. So much information. How do we get it all straight? Tune in to a labor of love. Expectations for pregnancy and parenting with host Karen Engstad. Our program will take you from the first steps of pregnancy to the first steps of your child. We'll cover unique topics as well, including using the Law of Attraction during pregnancy, elimination communication, and more. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you
0: seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444.
3: Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: then take the big leap gay Hendricks is the author and co-author of more than 20 books that deal with personal growth including the new york times bestseller five wishes and conscious living in the big leap this new york Times best-selling author reveals a simple yet comprehensive program for overcoming our one barrier to happiness and fulfillment providing a clear path for achieving our true potential and attaining not only financial success but also success in love and in life The Big Leap, you can find out more about this book at thebigleap.net, and you can also connect in a deeper way to Gay Hendricks at hendricks.com, where you can find out about the Relationship Catalyst program as well. Uh, Gay, you talk about uh, something called the zone of genius in the book. Will you explain a little bit about what that is?
2: Yes. Uh, If you look at uh, the things you do on a daily basis, you'll notice that they fall into one of four categories. They're either in the zone of incompetence where you're doing something. hope you don't do too much of this, but you're doing things that you're not particularly good at. Um, Like, for example, my wife is a genius at fixing things, and I'm hopeless with tools, always have been ever since I was a kid. But she's out of town teaching in Boulder this week, and so in the middle of the night I had a... a fountain in our backyard that started making this horrendous noise and woke me up, and I had to go out and fix it in the middle of the night. And it was, it would have made a good YouTube video because I made so many mistakes and goof-ups in trying to. It was like watching a Keystone cop of, uh, of me uh, <laughs> trying to fix this thing. So that's the zone of incompetence. Uh, the other three zones get better in the sense that the zone of competence is where you're doing things that You're good at, you're okay at, but somebody else could do them just as well. In the zone of excellence, the third third zone, you're actually doing things that you're extremely good at that you can probably do better than other people at, but it has a trap to it because if you stay only in your zone of excellence, where many of us do, you don't ever get into that fourth zone, which is the zone of genius where you're doing the things that you're ideally salute. Uh, situated to do so you're, you're in the, when you're in the zone of genius you're doing the things that you most love to do and you're doing the things that make the biggest contribution to your life and the lives of people around you so for example uh, at the other end of the scale instead of repairing a fountain in the middle of the night in my zone of incompetence For the first few hours of the morning today, I did things that are in my zone of genius. And I like to start out every day with doing a nice long period of writing and uh, working with ideas that I'm working on, putting into books or building products like the Relationship Catalyst that can hopefully help people's lives be better out in the world. And so when I'm doing that, I don't even feel like I'm working. It does, I don't ever think about, oh, it's a hassle to get out of bed in the morning, because I know that what I'm going to be doing for the first few hours are things that are in my zone of genius, and so they have a fulfilling aspect to them. They feel good. They're, they're as good as being on vacation. And uh, then later on in the day, I do things maybe that are in that part of life called you know essential but trivial, things like going to the post office or you know getting things out into the world, and um, those are things that maybe are in my zone of competence and sometimes incompetence, but the idea is to spend less and less time in those zones and more and more time in your zone of genius as you get more mature.
1: And we have certain false beliefs uh, that really help to hold our upper limit in place, and you, you call these things the four hidden barriers.
2: Do we have all four of them or would we have just certain ones? Most people have one or two of them. Uh, very few people have all four of them. things like um, I mentioned the fear of outshining. Uh, we also have the fear of being a burden that you you feel like you're a burden, so why should I be successful? How can I be successful if I feel like i'm I'm a burden because being more successful would just make me feel like more of a burden uh, so that's another one. A lot of us also struggle with the fear of abandoning other people that we let ourselves feel like wow, if if I let myself really be successful, I wouldn't be able to relate to all the people in my family who are not successful. And so I've worked with a lot of people who were maybe the big star in their family, but they didn't let themselves really shine all the way because they were afraid of kind of leaving behind people in their past. Probably the biggest barrier all of us face, though, in one way or the other, is the fear that we're flawed in some way that we we have something wrong with us or there's something fundamentally bad about us that keeps us from really thriving in life and of course there isn't anything like that but a lot of times especially, you know we grow up a lot of times getting criticized and blamed so much for things that later on we just naturally start criticizing and blaming ourselves so we spend a lot of our time going around feeding negative thoughts toward ourselves rather than feeding positive thoughts toward ourselves and kind of keeps us pushed down uh, down in our upper, uh, below our upper limit.
1: Absolutely, and those core beliefs of not good enough and those types of things really keep us stuck in that place. You also talk about uh, certain significant characteristics that would let a person know that they're living, living with an upper limit problem. And one of those I was surprised about because I, that's what most people have is worry. Worry is what you write as a
2: sign that we are upper limiting ourselves. That's right, and I noticed this in myself that I I spent literally years in studying this inside myself and also studying it inside clients I was working with. And one thing I found is worry is usually one of the first signs that you're upper-limiting yourself. You'll be walking along feeling really, really good, uh, for example, and then suddenly you start worrying, oh, but what about tomorrow or, oh, gosh, I know I feel good right now, but I'm having this problem with my cousin Fred. And so pretty soon those thoughts start to gather energy, and suddenly you're walking along feeling miserable, and and the the worry thoughts were, uh, were not about anything real that you could do anything about. See, there's a difference between a thought about something that you could actually do something about and make a difference with you know like it's not a worry thought if i suddenly think about my flat tire and then i go get my tire fixed you know my wife the other day was driving in her car and she started having a worry thought about one of her tires that didn't quite feel right and so she took it right away to a, a gas station and the guy pulled this big nail out of it the size of about it was about a 3 inch nail and it blew my mind that that she could even drive with that kind of a thing in there, but he pulled it out and put some sort of a patch on it, and since then it's worked just fine. So that's a good use of kind of worry thoughts is if you can do something about it right away. But I bet if you watch your worry thoughts, uh, your listeners will find that 99% of them are not about something they could actually do something about or anything that they have to have a plan to do something about. In fact, most worry thoughts are about something that already happened in the past, which you can't control, and the other worry thoughts are usually about something that's going to happen in the future, which you can't control. And so you've got to wonder why on earth would be worrying except that it's an ingrained habit we know can make ourselves feel miserable. So exactly,
1: and, and there's a huge payoff. It keeps us from stepping in our power. And and by allowing ourselves to release worry, then we have a platform to take
2: the big leap from. That's, That's exactly right. I certainly found that to be true in my own life, and it's made such a huge difference for me to begin to really notice that in myself, because once you begin to notice it, you can do something about it and move through those upper limits. You know, you can be walking along feeling good, and you notice those worry thoughts, and then you say, oh... I must be upper limiting myself. Look at me worry. And then take a few deep breaths and you're back to feeling the flow again. One uh,
1: One thing I really like about your book, The Big Leap, is that not only do you help people move beyond their barriers and their upper limits, but it also is a book that helps people anchor in more of an authentic nature. Because you talk about how once you've gone past certain upper limits, that there are certain things that will pull you back down underneath those unless you keep watch of them. And one in particular were integrity breaches, and that is where you uh, catch yourself in lies or broken agreements or withheld truths. So I find it to be a, an, an empowering book, too, from the standpoint
2: of authenticity. One of the best things that I've happened recently is I went up to give a speech to um, 800 uh, ministers um that were in the uh, New Thought-type churches like Unity Churches and Religious Science and Divine Science. And um, one of the things that I was just really happy to see was that a number of the ministers had taken the book, The Big Leap, and organized a four-week set of sermons about mm. them and leading up to, you know, people then releasing themselves from their upper limits. So it was a very beautiful thing to see happening out in organizations.
1: That's fantastic. And and that's what it's really all about. I know a lot of the work that you've done and, and several of other books that you've written, including Conscious Living and The Five Wishes, they really assist people in moving forward in such a positive way, not just to have more stuff in our life, but to really have a greater experience of ourselves in life. And I feel like that's what The Big Leap does. It allows an individual to really deepen the experience with themselves that they're having in life because they go beyond what they believe themselves to be true.
2: I really appreciate that. You've definitely heard the music of the book, and I appreciate you sharing it.
1: Well, it is a wonderful book, and I'd like for you to just, um, if there's anything else that you'd like to share about the book or what you hope the book will achieve for readers, I'd love for you to share that with
2: us. Well, I have the wonderful experience almost every day of getting email or letters from people who have used the book to overcome some big upper limit, like weight loss or making more money or whatever, or just having more love in their life. And that's very heart-filling to me.
1: Well, I want to thank you. I have had a wonderful Gay Hendrix on my show today. You can connect with him at thebigleap.net and also at Hendricks.com. And while you're at ordering... The Big Leap for Yourself, go ahead and order Conscious Living and sign up for the Relationship Catalyst program and really get your life in order. Thank you very much, Gay, for being on the show today. Coming up in the next two segments is best-selling author Laura Day. She spent nearly three decades helping individuals, organizations, and companies use their innate, intuitive abilities to create profound change in their lives. And she's with us today to tell us how to rule the world from our couch. We'll be right back with Laura Day. (music)
3: A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. Journey into the realm of spirit, the source of all things. Master fear in these tumultuous times and learn ancient ways to abundant love and healing. Why Shamanism Now? A practical path to authenticity will awaken the unique genius within you. Host Christina Pratt challenges you to initiate your innate powers within to gain health, well-being, and joy through the practices of Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. Tune in each week to Why Shamanism Now? Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave Network.
3: Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host, as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: What if you could maintain solid relationships even at a distance? What if you could lose weight by reclaiming the body you were meant to have? Or know how to spot your perfect mate? What if you could make better investments in business decisions or have an understanding relationship with your child? What if you could do all of this just from the comfort of your couch? Well, my guest today is Laura Day, and for over 20 years, she has used and taught intuitive skills to help people make their businesses stronger, find love, heal their own bodies, and make better decisions for our future. She first introduced this power of intuition in her groundbreaking book, Practical Intuition. As a pioneer in the field, she has demystified intuition and brought it into the mainstream. From CEOs to celebrities, she has helped millions learn to live to their fullest potential with joy, love, and success. Her latest book, How to Rule the World from Your Couch, teaches us how to become our own best expert by tapping into our very own innate power and ability to create the world we want. And as you move through each chapter, you'll be blown away at how you intuitively have the guidance to make the steps to better your life. I'd like to welcome Laura Day to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you. It's so nice to have you here. And so often people talk about we have this intuition and we can tap into our intuition. But you really, in this book, show us that we have it and can tap into it, and it, it happens in a split second just by going through the exercises Well, what I love about teaching intuition
4: is it 's something we know, everybody knows there 's no such thing as a psychic that is every single person and and um, I do a I, for the past nine years i 've done a free one hour workshop every month, people come in off the street. And I have them do something like, um, I don't know, I tell them, describe my living room to me, or describe your partner's business, or describe your partner's boss, and they're able to do it. And then they think, they say, oh my goodness, how did I do that? And that's intuition. Intuition gives you out of the blue, correct and correct, underline, underline, information to the questions you want information about, and and it is so easy to teach, which is why how to rule the world from your couch is so fun, because I get, I get this e- reader email where they say, oh, my goodness, I did the exercise, and I knew what somebody was thinking. And I say, well, that's how it's supposed to work. If you didn't know, it would be a problem.
1: Well, and for many people that are a little more linear thinkers, they would think this is a bunch of uh, woo-woo and what's this all about, but there's actually a lot of science behind it, there's a lot of proof behind the, the amazing abilities that intuition actually well, yields. Well, first
4: of all, intuition is linear, and I'll, I'll, I want to discuss that in a minute. You bring up a great point. But also the first um, experiments that were documented, filmed, on telepathy, so sending a message to another person from a distance, were done on camera, in a university, fifty years ago, wow, fifty over fifty years ago, there's so much documentation on the fact that we can predict events, that we can read minds, that we can send messages. That I mean, it's just it's it's flooring the information. Also, intuition is linear. The only thing nonlinear about intuition is how you get your information, which is which we'll go over later. How do, how can people get information about the Things and the people they want to know about. And, of course, the intuition is the only way accurately to predict the future because as the stock market has shown us, um, you know, history is not destiny.
1: Absolutely. And, and when we, we tap into that intuition, we're allowing ourselves to really tap into a greater net of information or are we tapping into a deeper part of ourselves?
4: No, it actually has nothing. The only the only thing it has to do with tapping into ourselves is that we use our brain to do it. But we're, we are following. Um, you know, when you have a question or a target, we call it in the book. So, uh, how do I find the job that will allow me to stay at home and make X? Or Who, how do I find the perfect person? Or what, what is X, what is this person doing? Uh, What, what's, what, uh, styles will be made next spring in fashion? You know, intuition can answer any question. It's kind of an idiot's gift that way. But, but once you have a target, you really are detached from self your attention is wandering around and you're simply noticing where your attention goes. So unlike brainstorming or creative visualization or any of those creative processes, it doesn't come from inside of you. You're actually getting information from the outside world and you're following your attention, attention meaning all of your senses, instead of creating it. And so, for example... When I first train people, I train people on things they can get answers to. So my son just turned 18, and for his 18th birthday, I I don't like to train young people in intuition because intuition kind of breaks a lot of rules, and it gives you information to be able to get around things. And you want kids to learn how to follow the rules first. But on his 18th birthday... I started training him. And how did I start training him? Every morning when he wakes up, he's in college, now he sends me an email. And the subject line says dollar, and underneath it says up or down. And what he's doing is he's predicting whether the dollar will close up Mm. or down against the euro every day. Now, of course, it's information that he can check, because at the end of the day, you know whether the dollar closed up or down against the euro. And you can do things like, um, in practical intuition, I have people predict the winner of a horse race. And it's really good to pick the same race every day because then you're not looking for information. So your, your reasoning doesn't get engaged. Your prejudice doesn't get engaged. Your attention just gives you the answer. And one of the hardest things in intuition is really defining what are my targets, what are my questions, what are my goals. And I really encourage people to very succinctly list this is what I want, this is what I want to know, this is where I want to go, and then be open to something better because you can't imagine your own best life because imagining is based on your experience, and your experience is limited. However, you can intuit your own best life because it's not based on any information you've ever been exposed to. You have an infinite source of information, and you can prove it. You know my favorite thing is the only difference between psychic and psychotic is that your information is right. Otherwise, you're seeing things other people don't see and hearing things other people don't hear. So in my training I train people to verify document 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 and verify
1: verify verify. So is it that we are strengthening our muscle or we are building trust? Uh no, it's it's well it's a little bit
4: about trust but it, it's not it's strengthening your muscle but more than anything you're learning to it out from all of your other processes. So you're separating it out from what you know in a traditional way from your emotions and you're documenting it so you're writing it down because memory is incredibly inaccurate. So when you get a sense that your boss is going to be out tomorrow, you write it down and then you see, oh wow, I was right and, and then you become more and more right because your subconscious allows your this uh, ability to be available to you. And one of the things that I do in How to Rule the World from Your Couch is at the beginning of every chapter, there is a quick hit exercise that has you do something, like send a message or or um, know what somebody's feeling or thinking or know what they're wearing or predict an event or get information about a question you have and the, the great thing about it is that you can immediately verify it so you know you can do it. Because I think one of the most dangerous thing about intuition slash psychics slash healers slash all of this stuff is that you're, you're giving the power to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a wonderful thing to do in a group. However, you have the ability, and it's very important to honor your own power because otherwise you
1: create more helplessness and more dependence. Now, you describe this a lot as a state-of-the-art radio, as our own state-of-the-art radio, but we do have to turn the power on.
4: Um, well, you know, you're using your intuition all the time, but intuition can help you find the next disastrous relationship to get in as well. I mean, the same way you train intellect and emotion. I mean, if we, if we had never trained our emotions, we'd still be hitting people over the head when we wanted their toy. You know, it's, you do have to give it a structure. And even if you're a good, anyone successful is intuitive because we all have basically the same equipment. That's the secret nobody ever tells us. There, You know, there are only extraordinary people. And we have basically the same equipment, you know, different shades of it. But what you do need is you need a system so when you have equipment failure or if you didn't get, you know, what you needed in your first six years of life and your equipment's a little bent, you know, it's a, it's a way to redirect it. Because so, most, most misfortune is simply bad habit and we don't even know we have it because you don't see what you don't see. And so what, what, what you know, practical intuition was written so long ago that it was really a book just to show people, oh, wow, I can get really accurate, detailed information that i didn't know i could get but now we're we're in the 21st century and most people employing this including big businesses realize we can get this information there's a gut sense of what's going on and that's what makes for real success however sometimes it fails me or i need to teach my family or employees or children to do it so that we work at we function as a unit better so it so how to Rule the World from Your Couch is really an intuitive textbook. It's a real training. And I only spend a page helping you prove to yourself you can do it. And then I teach you how to teach it, how to get it back on track when it misfires. But intuition is not inherently good or bad. You know, intuition isn't, There's this whole idea that intuition is somehow spiritual and blessed. And you, Good sociopaths are good intuitives. They know what to do and what to say to get you to do what they want. Sure. you know, you intuition can also uh, be run by the subconscious, and most of it is, where your intuition is helping you do things you don't really want anymore, like, you know, be the toughest little girl in the world or the toughest little boy when actually what you need is support and help, which is why it's really important to know what your goals are and reform them all the time. Because truly, it, there, you know, I think that there, there are some real myths that the last few decades have given us. One is what I like to say, the click your heels three times and you're in Kansas Smith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where somehow everything's easy. Life is not easy. Life is challenging, and you want good tools. And everybody makes mistakes sometimes, myself included. I mean, my goodness, if I had a nickel for every time that I, you know, tripped over myself, I'd, you know... I'd be able to save the economy. <laughs> but, it's, you know, the, the, what intuition gives you is the ability to pick yourself up and take yourself someplace better, to build on everything you do. And then after a while, you stop walking into walls because you don't need to. Because most of the reason people create difficulty is because they're afraid of change. Sure. So they
1: hold on to old things. Well, and you also went into another problem that you, that everyone seems to share, and that's that we believe... Uh, that we really have to work, work, work to yield the results, but that there is a place where we can have less work and actually yield more results and literally be on our couch and achieve the things we want. Absolutely. I mean, intuition allows
4: you to project yourself, project your energy, get the information you need
1: to create what it is you want in your life. My guest today is Laura Day, and her new book, How to Rule the World from Your Couch, has been released and it is a wonderful resource for you to really get in touch with your intuition and utilize it to change your life. Day proves that the seemingly impossible is possible by offering intuitive tools that will produce astounding results in less time with less work. This simple step-by-step Exercises included, many of which and can and should be done from the comfort of your couch, will show you how to find everything from your dream job to solid relationships to perfect mates, better investments, and so much more. How to rule the world from your couch? You can access at howtoruletheworldfromyourcouch.com or you can go to her primary website, which is practicalintuition.com. We'll be right back with Laura Day, and we'll discover some of the different tools of intuition.
3: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. If you are curious about IVF and third-party family building, what it is, and where you can get the answers you need, meet the surrogacy lawyer, Teresa M. Erickson. Teresa became a surrogacy lawyer after the wonderful experience of being a participant in third-party family building. Whether you're looking to IVF, becoming a donor or surrogate, or a prospective parent, you are sure to come away with valuable advice from our program. The Surrogacy Lawyer, your guide to IVF and third-party family building is heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness.
3: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Day has spent over two decades helping companies as well as individuals use the power of intuition to create their dreams. Her global clientele includes celebrities, scientists, business executives, and other professionals. She speaks regularly in the United States and abroad and has been featured in numerous publications as well as on CNN, The View, Good Morning America, and Oprah. You can find out more about her at practicalintuition.com as well as how to rule the world from your couch.com and I hope you'll order a copy of her latest book How to Rule the World from Your Couch. She points out the most important aspects of understanding intuition is that it comes in a variety of related but distinct perceptual skills that most of us use haphazardly and usually unconsciously and because of that they have little to no effect. However, if we use these correctly, We have the power to quickly generate health and abundance and bring miraculous change into our own lives. Laura, let's talk a little bit about some of the different types of intuition. I know that each chapter in the book of How to Rule the World from Your Couch uh, goes into some of the different things, such as gathering information and mediumship and telepathy, body heat telepathy, remote viewing and precognition. Let's go into some of these for the listeners.
4: Well, I'd love to start with telepathy, although I know that's not the first chapter. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I want to reiterate that these are skills that people can learn in a moment. You do the chapter, you have the skill. I, I'm very grateful to Barnes & Noble because they, since nine ten oh one, and I live in New York City near the, near the World Trade Center, um, Barnes & Noble have, has given me a free space every month where I can offer a free workshop for people who otherwise wouldn't be able to take my workshops And people off the street, not knowing anything about intuition, you know, often in crisis, do perfect, really perfect professional readings for one another. Readings meaning someone says, um, uh, am I going to be offered this job? And the person answers correctly, and then you find that out next month because they tend to come back every month. So so people are already doing this. Now, telepathy is a great example. Telepathy is, a simple example of telepathy is somebody's on your mind and you get a very unsettled feeling. So unsettled you call them and you find out that something awful just happened and thank heavens you called. Um, telepathy is when um, you're, you you're worried about, somebody and uh, or someone's worrying about you and there's a meeting you know what it's about you know what's happened um, telepathy is when the phone rings you don't have caller ID and you know who's on the other end of the line um, telepathy is just is, is that is that knowing person to person that we share and it's actually the way that we that we keep contact with one another when we're at a distance so telepathy is very useful for example, for a lot of relationships, a lot of you know, a lot of jobs with traveling, um, uh, telepathy is very useful in being able to keep in touch. Telepathy is also the message we send out to the world. So even from your couch you are attracting or repelling your own good fortune, your own true love, your own uh, people's perception of you. And so there's an exercise called embodying where you really work to experience yourself in a different way and send a different message. Um, and it, it has instant results. You know, because miracles are just, just means you're using the tools right. You know,
1: there's nothing in a weird way.
4: There's everything's miraculous, but there's nothing miraculous about a miracle.
1: That's a huge statement, Laura, because a lot of people look at miracles from their very mystical, miraculous context. But what you just said is extremely powerful, and it's that when you're using your tools in the right way, is when miracles occur.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know one of my real pet peeves is the mystifying of very simple tools that can take people out of their pain, out of their lack. And, and I think that all of these tools are mystified because, of course, if you mystify something, it becomes somehow more precious. Right. Um, these, are not, these are simple, simple things that we just need to know how to do, just like if we didn't know how to shake hands with someone when we entered a room, a lot of people wouldn't like us. You know, these are just really simple ways to use your brain. So, so learning to send a dis- different message is something that's incredibly important. And where it's useful, for example, is if you're going out for a job or you want a promotion or you're going on an audition or you, re- you can't say something to your child, but you need them to know it and respond to it in the appropriate way. Um, telepathy is actually the way we communicate. What we say is one, maybe one ten-thousandth of what we communicate. Our telepathy takes over most of the rest. So what you send to people is very important. Now, that doesn't mean you can never have a negative thought. I mean, I think this whole thing about being afraid of our negative thoughts or being afraid of what's going on inside of us is not helpful at all. I agree. You want to integrate it and make it powerful and passionate. And even fear has its own power and passion. And so when you use telepathy, you use it all. And you, what intuition does is it says, okay, This is how you need to sculpt what it is you're experiencing in order to get the response you want from the other person. And you can do telepathy with an entire group. When I wrote Practical Intuition, I wrote a very dry book because I knew that that was what my market would respond to. That's telepathy.
1: Well, and I like how you've really broken it down that we all really do tap into telepathy whether we know it or not. Um, Just the fact of, of, you know, the phone ringing and sometimes you do know who it is or the door being knocked on and you happen to know who's going to be behind it before you actually open it. Or you're sending a message.
4: I mean, my son will call me from school and say, Ma, stop worrying, I have a math test. (laughs) You know, I can't think. I mean, people think of telepathy as being able to... We uh, you know, get messages from other people, but if you're getting them, you're sending them. And where you really have power isn't just in getting the information from other people, but is actually sending information in a way that people will respond. And it's also a very loving thing to do. I mean, if someone's in trouble at a distance, you can send telepathic support and be right there with them, and you can keep bonds strong and even make new bonds with someone you haven't met. For example, sending telepathy to the person who or the people, because I don't believe there's one person, who you would be happy in a partnership with, whether it's business or personal. And, and how does body heat telepathy differ? Well, body heat telepathy really has you um, experiencing where the other person gets pleasure, and sending and where you get pleasure and then making contact between those two
1: senses. And it's a very powerful way to attract. Well, Laura, obviously we didn't schedule you for a long enough time because there's so much to talk to you about that we're going to have to have have you back on again another time. But I urge all of my listeners to go out and get a copy of How to Rule the World from Your Couch and start tapping more greatly into your intuition. You're already using it, but you're just not consciously using it. Allow yourself to understand how to use it. Go through her exercises and learn more not only about telepathy but about mediumship and precognition and healing and all of the many wonderful abilities that each and every one of us do have. You can connect to Laura Day at practicalintuition.com and also find out more at howtoruletheworldfromyourcouch.com. Thank you so much, Laura, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. And my guest next week will be Jonathan Ellerby. So I'll look forward to seeing you then. Until that time, be well.